0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited to see Taryn back, Sam, good to see you again, and a new face, Dr. Dave. Can't wait to talk to you. While I am very excited and introducing everybody, you should be hitting the like button. You should be subscribing to the channel. You should be hitting the notification bell, doing all that stuff so you can get your email anytime that we go live, which is, of course, every day. Now, if you have any thoughts or questions, by all means, put them in the comment section and we will engage them directly, just like this one right here. Winterstorm says, good morning, coaches and the collective and anyone watching later, earn today, pick up the pace, just like Sean's mug there. Fantastic. Yes. Um, so before we get into the conversation or the questions, any thoughts or actually before I do that, Dave, why don't you give us a little rundown? 30, 45 uh, seconds, who you are, where you come from, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Uh, my name is is Dave is uh, and I came up as a uh, Dave Ruschuti. And there is a doctor in front of it, but um, uh, I, I prefer coach. Uh, I think it's actually a much more respectable term, in my opinion, than, uh, than the doctor. Um, uh, let's see, I came up as a Marine, uh, so 0311 Infantry. Um, I went to college for a year after high school, hated it, the left to join the Marine Corps. While I was in the Marine Corps, I learned and decided that college was awesome. Um, so as soon as my active duty was up, I, I went back to college and decided I was never going to leave. Uh, then, you know, uh, on that bright sunny morning in September 2001, uh, everything kind of changed. And so, um, you know, I I, I realized that this conflict after a couple a little while that was gonna go on for a while. So I decided that I would finish what I started. Um, And so I did, I stayed and finished, completed my doctorate from uh, Boston University. And then in uh, 2006, I went back to work for the army, but this time as a a contractor initially, um, and then ended up being a civilian employee here at Fort Jackson at the drill sergeant school for about four years. Then I went up to Fort Bragg, where I was at the uh, SWICT, so the Center for, for Special Warfare um, Center in school. Uh, and then eventually, I got called up to the pros. Um, and so I was at a, a, a tier one unit for a couple of years as a green team cadre um, and tactics instructor and ran their pro def. And then 2016, I left that um, because I had a baby. Um, and well, I didn't have the baby. Um my, my wife had the baby and then uh, uh started debt one and, and we've been kind of working at that ever since.
0: Outstanding. Well, we're looking forward to getting your opinion on oh that's not the right person. Looking yeah, forward to I can say
2: get... something if you want. <laughs> if you'd like. I mean if you got something
0: to say, that's the well question.
2: I will say something actually, okay. since you uh, threw me uh, on the screen there. Uh so that's interesting that you uh Dave that you said that you uh prefer to have coach in front of your name rather mm. than doctor. Because that mm-hmm. threw me off the scent initially Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. this is going to sound terrible but i thought he's just a coach (laughs) isn't that weird Mm -hmm. particularly since we're all coaches and we all think that it's a honorable profession and it's it's righteous and it's all of Mm -hmm. that good stuff but i'd subordinated you in the sense of he's just a coach but you're more than just a coach you're a doctor but not just a doctor you're a doctor who was put in a position that was in, in in a very high performance environment. So um, there's lots of coaches and there's lots of doctors, but there aren't too many coach doctors that operate in those kind of environments and learn the things that you did. So uh, maybe you should be coach doctor Dave from now on. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying.
1: I'll take it. Just call yeah. me whatever you want. Just, yeah. <laughs> say, just call can... me. Just call me, Sean. <laughs> just. Call right, me. just call... go. <laughs> we can put those words. We'll, together, we'll swap numbers before it.
2: this finishes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: Uh, quick little comment here, John. Morning, the collective team and troops present and accounted for. Good to see you, John. Uh, so, any thoughts or questions before we dive into the convo? No? Okay. So I have a couple of written questions from previous episodes that I want to touch on before we get to the videos. Um, just because uh, they, we didn't get a chance to do it, they were, came in a little bit late. So here we go. We're going to hit the first one. As from Terminal City Training, he says, I have found it difficult to coach some people, especially young males, <clears throat> excuse me, who spend a lot of time on the Internet and think they already know everything. Any thoughts on this? And I wanted to bring this up specifically in the fact of this last line here, and they think they already know everything. And it's like, how can you pour into a cup that's already full? So I'm wondering how what your guys' thoughts are on it. And Sam, because it's late for you, I'm gonna put you up first, what do you think? <laughs>
3: Throws like me it. under the bus. I messaged yep. him before I got here. and said, <laughs> "Screw I said, for you, Sam." For the Sam. first time, do you want to give me a heads up on questions? He goes, <laughs> That's right. no. "Nope." No. <laughs> and then throws make, me under the bus. <laughs> let's make Sam uncomfortable.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I'm here to so, uh, make. I'm here to <laughs> help, brother.
3: So, is the question disappearing there? Uh, <laughs> well, I can put uh, it up for you. Hold on. Boom, right here. Yeah. So difficult to coach some people. So I'd be more interested if these people approached them to be coached. Because they're sounding like they don't want coached, um, so I think the beauty of being a coach is you you choose who you want to coach. If people don't want coached, then they don't want coached. So um, if the guys are thinking they know it all, obviously that's ego and pride, and it's going to come with a fall. So I don't know. It's it's a, there's a lot of ifs and buts and maybe's there. Um, yeah. But for me, uh, it's about letting them see their faults. So. There's no point telling them that they spend too much time on the internet i'd be more looking at well what does the time management look like what are they wanting to achieve why are they not achieving it how are they using their time more wisely asking them do you feel like that's wise time um so it that one's all about getting them to get that self-realization if they don't want to change they won't change don't try and don't try and change them it's not going to happen that's that's my opinion on that i like it
0: Taron. how about yourself
4: yeah i I was thinking um, kind of along the same lines as um, you kind of, you're the coach, right? You get to pick who you coach. And I think that's a kind of maybe sometimes if, that, if if coaching is your sole revenue, sometimes you just kind of want to bring as much clientele in and not necessarily think about the quality of the person that you're bringing in. So I think maybe looking at who you're bringing in and are they emulating who you would like to, to coach in the end? I think that's,
0: that's where I'd like go with that. I like it. Dave, what do you think?
1: Um, so I, I'm going to take it since those guys answered that um, pretty well. I'm going to take it just a little bit of a different direction. So, um, you know, being a like the mental performance guy at a tier one unit, um, I actually dealt with dudes who, who knew a lot, right. Who actually did know a lot. Right. And so like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to teach this guy about mental toughness or anything like that? Right. And so our conversations, I, I kind of crafted them in this way and, and our conversations often went like this is they're like, Hey Dave, when I'm, you know, when I have, I'm shooting a string or whatever, and like I get fired up and hit nine and then I always seem to miss that 10th one. Why do I do that? Or like, you know, when I am uh, get to that 10th one, I always hit 10 out of 10 because, you know, I get to this moment and I want to give up, but I don't. They have the strategy where they are able to continue and maintain their performance. Why do I do that? Right. And so what I often do is like, I because I have a a, a pretty good like understanding of the the neuroscience and the biology and stuff that goes behind it. Like I can give them the actual technical scientific reason why that works. Right. And so then just giving them an explanation and helping them to understand that what they're, why they why, what they're doing is working, then that allows them to take it even further to get even better, if that makes sense. And so kind of like um, meeting them more where they already are, uh, because, you know, a lot of them, most of them are more proficient at whatever it is that they're trying to do than I am. Right. And so, um, but I can provide a little bit of knowledge and so you know, at that elite level, that just tiny bit of knowledge to take it a little bit further. That's the difference. Mm,
0: interesting. Sean, anything to add?
2: I like that. Uh, I like that. Uh, what Dave is talking about is just adding an extra 0.0001% to the individual that's standing in front of him. But that minor amount that he's adding is a exponential return because of who that individual is and how capable they are. So some people you've got to throw 10% at them to get 1% back. Some people you've only got to throw 0.01% at them to get 104% back. And it's understanding the individual in front of you and how they can uh, use that information as a lever to gain more in the moment. And that's reading the audience just as Dave was doing. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, The way I'd like to answer this question is uh, coincidentally, and I didn't know what the questions and answers were going to be, I never do, so I'm not cheating. Uh, Before I came on this, I was on my my IG account, uh, and I typed up a little uh, post this morning, and it was training versus competition. And I put up a photo there of me just laying in a, it was a four-season, one-man tent uh, on a sleeping bag. I had my race gear right by my feet, because the very next morning i was going to be racing another 24 hour solo uh, mountain bike race unsupported or self-supported and so i've been in that spot many times in fact at that point i had about a thousand hours of racing under my belt racing not riding you know that whole ten thousand hours to get to <laughs> competency that's loosely thrown around i'm reasonably competent on a bike and so as i laid in that tent it's a representation of the difference between believing that you know what you're doing and testing what you're doing. So it's that idea of theory versus practice or pressure testing your training. And so in this question, here's what I thought. Well, everyone's got ideas, especially as young males. I had lots myself, and most of them were wrong. And how I learned how wrong I was was to be pressure tested. So the moment that someone if if I even accepted them as an athlete, if they came up to me and said, you know what, uh, the stuff that you kind of say, I'm not sure if it's really legit or not. Cool, let's go pressure test it. Let's see how you make out. And let's see if you can improve upon what your result is the following day by starting to listen to me. So have them put their feet to the fire and see how they play out. And you know what corrects an ego really quick? is a massive failure. <laughs> and so... I don't know, as a coach, there's ways to figure this out for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, any, I, I, we kind of touched on this yesterday and we, you know, when we were talking about the fact that if you don't actually, we, um, letting your, letting your, your people fail, like kind of stepping out, letting them just step in, out of the way and be like, all right, see what happens. All right? Well, <laughs> uh,
2: not just to, letting to point creating yes, that's exactly yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't be happenstance i'm not mm-hmm. i'm bored if it's if it's happening just by fluke I, i'm stoked if if i'm pulling the trigger on something and watching it unfold as a disaster <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's authentic. That's any uh um, is that in
2: training
3: or is that in competition you're talking about there
2: well in both buddy because as far as i'm concerned bleed in peace so you don't have to bleed in war And I know that that sounds like maybe too hard or too harsh or too much or whatever. It's not like I'm going to create any permanent damage, but I'm going to create some temporary sting that hangs around for long enough that they correct their ways or learn the lesson or want more or want less or figure something out in the moment. Pressure, adversity is what teaches someone more about themselves in the moment. And I'd rather they face it in training So that when they're in competition, that's like, that's like unwrapping the Christmas present, the training is the hellacious time. The competition is the man. I cannot wait to get off the start line so I can get away from Sean.
3: (laughs) Can I throw a question out to the group? (laughs) Would you allow a client to go and compete in their chosen profession? If you know, they'd not put the work in that you set them out to do
0: that's a good question
3: taryn, for myself say, okay I'm sorry just, we'll
0: start with taryn and then we'll work with
4: you uh i guess it would it's a double-edged sword i would say on the one side do you care about your reputation um because at the end of the day their results are going to be a direct reflection of your your coaching i would say um so for me personally i would not allow somebody because um one, I want them to succeed, and I don't think you have to put them into competition for, for them to fail in order for them to get better. I think you can, they can be the finished product before they get there. Um, I wouldn't, I would rather see them fail in training versus go out into competition, make a fool out of themselves. And maybe they just say, pack it up and I'm done. So the, it could be an extreme failure where they just give up for me personally.
0: interesting, Sean, what do you think?
2: As a generalization and this is a broad, sweeping generalization, I will say this, that um, I would not want them to step into competition to fail in that way, unless it was part of my overarching strategy that they're unaware of. and uh, Or maybe I make them aware of it in the way of, uh, really, I don't think you're ready for this, and I think this is gonna be more than you're prepared for, but if you're willing to step into that heat, Uh, with the understanding that it's going to leave a burn, then, um, yeah, um, I'm open to you engaging in this, but here's what we got to do beforehand, dot, 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 so that it's not a permanent catastrophe. Uh, So as a generality, I'll say, no, I wouldn't allow that to happen. But depending on the person who's in front of me, depending on the specifics of it, and I'm not a generalistic coach. I'm a boutique solution for the person who stands in front of me. I'm coaching them. I'm not coaching a general system. I would read the person in the moment, depending on their experience and yada, yada, yada. Dave, any
1: thoughts? Yeah, so um, in the way, and so, I mean, again, like this is, I'm definitely not generalized either, um, but I do have a process that for me, it's always starts with the character traits, right? So the character, the character, the character, then we do the process and then the outcome takes care of itself. And so um, no matter who you are, um, I always, I do, so I guess I am somewhat generalized is that I, I start with uh, working on that creed and developing those individual characteristics that are going to be necessary for you to engage repetitively in the correct process over and over and over again, that never gets easier and it never ends forever and to get better. And so like in my mind, like I would like to. I try not to see a difference between competition and training. Like I I wish I could eliminate competition in a lot of the things because, you know, it's, it's just a bump in the road. It's just another mile marker. Um, you know, and so I I like Sean's answer about like just being straight up and honest with them and say, listen, you ain't ready, but if you want to do it, like I'm all for it, like we'll do everything we can to get you ready. There's a probably a really, really good chance. You're going to fail. Um, and just know that like, you're going to walk in with your eyes wide open and you fail, like, freaking fail spectacularly but come back and see me and be ready to work tomorrow right right like uh and yet let that be you know maybe that's the that's the answer to the question that was asked earlier right is that like uh, <laughs> new fuel <laughs> yeah the new fuel
3: yeah sam what are, what are your thoughts on it no I think it's good question yeah, but pro- i want to know your thoughts on it too <laughs> yeah i'm probably similar uh well i guess uh, there'd be um yeah, for me it's to do with character as well. So if they've worked hard the the result I, I would be happy putting someone into competition knowing that they weren't going to win the competition because they were better people, but I know that they've put the work in to grow from the experience and to learn from the experience and, and I've definitely seen that in action. Uh, with regards to if I was maybe struggling with their discipline and their ego, that'd be a hard one. So are you putting them into competition to watch them fail? For them to realize that they need to work better now is that right or wrong that's up for debate (laughs) i
2: I think it's a good tool i think it's a tool that you can use yeah Yeah, i think it's a tool that no one should ever deny themselves as a coach everything's a tool and uh, everything has its right time and place timing is everything with each individual so i think it's a tool that should be wielded with precision
0: now I have a a hypothetical on this question because I think it goes into mindset here is what if you set somebody up for that, right? Like they're going into competition, you know, they're not ready. You've told them, you've had that conversation. Like, I don't think you put in the work. I don't think this is going to work. If you want to go for it, go for it. And then they win. How do you manage the mindset at that point? Dave, you look like you have an answer
1: ready. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, I mean, sweet. Then I'm a way better coach than I thought it was, and then that protects my reputation. And I say, hey, look, look what I've done with this person who was clearly not good enough.
2: Dude, and it you're was all me, baby. Yeah. All
1: you. All me. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think, I think nothing changes um, again because I don't. I try not to focus and get them to focus on the outcome, right? So we'll just go back and and AAR the crap out of it, right? And so they're obviously, you know, because I mean, you guys know, everybody knows that luck is the, the has a major, major factor in any success, right? Like that's that's at least. And so all we can do is is look at what we did right to put ourselves in the position to at least be able to take advantage of whatever lucky breaks went our way. But I think, you know, I think we still go back and work on look at the character and look at the outcome. I mean, look at the process. And while we got lucky with that outcome, let's let's not probably do that again. <laughs> or Let's let's do more of whatever we did that worked and try to eliminate the other stuff. I like it. Sam, thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that happens to to quite a lot of coaches. I guess my thoughts would be more kind of assessing then the relationship with your client, Um, going back to that. You know, if I was working with someone who didn't listen to anything I said, we're still winning, that's great. So do you want to stay with that person just because they're getting wins with your name behind them? Or do you actually want to enjoy what you do and go and coach someone who's maybe not? getting the results that they're getting but they're coachable um so it's interesting i really value my time so uh, i i think people like that might might do well in whatever they're competing at at that time do i think that attitude's going to serve them well in life mm-hmm. probably not down the road so mm-hmm. um take their wins and their glory while they get them but um I, i'd rather focus on people that want to be coached so that, that would be my opinion yeah Darren, any other thoughts
4: <laughs> throw a party, give yourself a pat on the back. No, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think um, I think in that situation you just kind of do like uh, like Dave said, you know, AAR and just kind of see what what did we learn from this. Um, obviously, the coach in this position didn't think you were going to win. So, where did the coaching go wrong? You can look look at it as mm-hmm. a bigger picture. Like where did it, where did the individual go wrong as a coach that he didn't think or she didn't think that this individual was capable, and then hear from the athlete you know what did they see what did they experience with that person as a coach and why why did they think yeah you know what the coach doesn't believe me but i can go and do it so kind of there's a lot of lessons to learn in there um Mm. it's 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 a great way to it's a it's a great um best case scenario right yeah you say no, and he says yes, and the outcome is favorable for both in the end. <laughs>
0: so, Good problem to have kind of thing. Yeah. Sean, what are your thoughts?
2: It, it is kind of a win-win, except when it's a win-loss. And the win-loss is that the athlete never understands that they're still not squared away. And so, um, you know, I've had this happen as well, where I've uh, given an, an athlete a cautionary note in the sense of, you know, it's... It, this is your first 24-hour solo, and, and I know that you're feeling really confident, but uh, i, I got to explain to you that it's unlike anything that you've ever done. And so I get that you're really confident and you put the training in, but as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be a lot harder than you expect. And so um, that's just based on simply their ability to workload, uh, never mind their mindset, because that's kind of untested in the 24-hour solo on your first time. Uh, you get a sense of things in training, but in training it's for twenty for ultra endurance races, and ultra endurance, I don't categorize a 12 hour race as ultra endurance. I, I consider that as like barely warming up. It takes 24 hours of constant workload to understand what ultra endurance does to a mindset. And so you can coach all day long. They can be a physical specimen, but the mind, that is something that is untested until they're actually in that first race. Because yeah. in training, Training doesn't look like this. To train for a 24-hour race, you do 24-hour rides. You don't. It's it's micros and macros. It's all of the Coachy coach stuff. It's all of that. But the first time someone enters into a 2-4, they're still trying to figure a lot of things out about themselves. Now, my job as a coach is to be able to look at that person through the process and understand their mind that they don't even understand themselves. And so if I say to someone... As a cautionary note, I'm not sure if you're ready for this. Are you sure you want it enough? So through that process, I'll get a sense of whether they want it or not. And if they really, really want it, I might say, let's do that. Knowing full well that they're going to fail in their mind. And that's a good thing from my perspective. Because that collateral damage out of that failure is what's going to allow them to then decide, am I in or am I out? do I really like this? Do I want to learn? Do I want to get better? Do I want to understand my mind as I position it? Do you want to understand how your mind works now? Let's get to work on that. So a failure, in my opinion, is not a bad thing. Uh, if an athlete thinks that they're going to be first on the podium, if they're 33rd, that's not so bad for me.
1: Yeah. I, I just have one real quick. You absolutely, I, do. I know we got to Move on to uh, the next question. But um, <clears throat> so, you know, I was involved um, pretty heavily in selection. And so, one of the things we're really good at um, was getting creating environments and events that get people to run out of themselves. Right. So, what I mean by that is that, like, and, and now we're talking some really elite performers that, you know, by the time they've come to us, they've done a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and they've had a lot of success, a lot of failures, but a lot of success. Some of them have had nothing but success. So, we have to, to, be able to create an event where they, and this is the mindset where they run out of themselves. So they literally have nothing left to to no experiences to rely on, saying, oh, I've been here before. No actual experiences. And so then somehow they have to find a way to teach themselves something new under extreme amounts of duress. Right. And so, um, and I always ask candidates whether they get selected or not, like, why, why did you come here? And and I have not found an answer. There's no like one solid answer that this guy always wins or this guy always loses. But, um, the one that I think, you know, is probably the most prevalent and this most successful is the one to say, man, I want to see if I could do it. Like, I, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And to me, that's, that's the internal locus of control, right? So that's where the motivation comes in. And so like, it, it has nothing to do with the procedure the you know, the mission set or anything like that. It's, it's just, this was the next thing I've challenged myself, and so far I haven't found a challenge that I haven't been able to succeed at yet. So what this is the next logical step to see what I can do.
2: I, I like that because as a coach, uh, that's how I designed my coaching uh, when I was coaching high performance athletes. I I designed it with that as almost my number one goal was to understand how they like to adventure, how they like to challenge themselves, how they like to step into the unknown. And if they really like it then i can shape that and if they hate it i can shape that Mm -hmm. and so my job because uh, though i went through selection uh in tier one you don't really know what's going on per se i mean you're just part of the process you're not running the process Mm -hmm. but then subsequently i got to uh instruct on three selections and and that's the first time in my life that I started looking at other human beings, not as lab rats, I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it was the first time that I started looking at the maze. I started understanding the laboratory in front of me. And like the day before I had that thought, I didn't even know this this stuff existed. But the, the day that I thought, oh, I see what I can, this could be good. I can learn from this. From that moment on, I've been fascinated with the mind of humans in respect to performance, in respect to coaching, and in, in respect to the challenge. What, what keeps challenging people? There's a subsection of society out there that is so driven to understand what they can't do. And then there's a subsection that is focused on what they can do. And I like people who focus on what can I do? what What's over that horizon? And uh, with with those kind of folks, you can really create some interesting things.
0: Absolutely. Now, quick comment from Winterstorm. He says, everything is a tool. Did Sean just call me a tool? I'm going to answer that for you. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Depends on uh, how sharp.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, we do have, uh, I got some more questions, but any other thoughts, Sam? Taryn, anything to add?
3: Just a a good, good friend of mine actually ran selection for tier one here and what he used to say to them all on the start line was we're not looking for Ferraris we're looking for tractors you know Ferraris they're the flashy you know they can go fast quick but uh, that's not what they're after they're after they're after tractors they're powerful they keep going and that's what you're looking for that endurance I guess and then and looking at resilience I guess and I listened to something recently it talked about resilience and it was just basically saying all resilience is is pain plus reflection and you action what you learn and i guess the quicker you are at reflecting on that pain that you're going through and learning through it and then actioning what you learn that's when you're going to come out on top isn't it when you're doing these 24-hour things when you're doing selection uh, if you're good at that process you're going to go far aren't you
2: yeah and you know you've you've either got to be a natural at it or you've got to learn it through the system you, you either enter into the process already being it or you enter into the process and figure out the process but along the way this is where you've got to be. You find yourself standing on a start line. Someone says you're either a Ferrari or you're a tractor. And then at that point, it's your job to be a tractor and somewhere halfway down the field, learn how to change a flat tire that you've never done before or fix the engine that you don't even know what color it is. These are the things that you have to do. You have to have the commitment. You have to have the skill sets, but you have to have the wherewithal to manage the moment. Uh just
4: adding i think that we kind of answered the first question with this this segment here is to making sure we're asking the appropriate questions to you know the young males um to find out why they what makes them tick and why why they're there with said coach at that time right i think getting uh honing in on on what kind of questions you're asking um on your intake or you know when you're just talking to somebody and figuring out if this person's a good client or not for you I think the, uh, what everyone really kind of just said here was exactly kind of how you should approach those young males. Yeah,
0: I, I could not agree more. I, it's interesting because I, I'm relaying this to horses for some reason, but the uh, the analogy that keeps coming into my head is that the the ultimate horse, the one that you really want is one that can do anything that you ask it, right? There are specialties, right? There's draft horses and there's friggin' race horses and there's Arabians and all these different things. But... Those are just qualities in terms of specificity. But what you really want is a horse that you can train. You really want something that you can just work with and take it in a position. I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about here in terms of athletes or, or coaches, people that are being coached. Is you or just a want tractor. To be able to work or tractor, <laughs> sure, tractor work. Um, any other thoughts on
1: any I, of that? I, I, I have one more, I'm super annoying, yeah. I'm sorry. Give her, Give um, her And so, and this, Sean, you just, you hit it perfectly, uh, that reminds me. And so like three things that I would ask our guys to do, I we needed our guys to do, right? So they needed to be able to teach themselves, they needed to perform a task they knew under stress, right? Their buddy gets shot in the arm, they have to know how to apply the tourniquet to stop the bleeding. That's it. They don't know how they don't have to know how it works or how it stops the bleeding. They just got to be able to do it under stress. Right. Boom. Easy. The next thing they need to to take a task they know and adapt it to a new situation under stress. Right. And so um, sports. Right. So down here we have the, the M16A2 platform or whatever. I don't know what kind of wazoo guns you guys have over there in the UK or up in up in up in the great white north. But, you know, if, if there's a if there's we have to perform immediate action that we do sports, right. Slap, rack, bang, all that stuff. And so um, now let's say I have an AK-47 and I have a stoppage. How do I do it? Because the actual technique of sports is a lot different on that weapon. But if I understand what sports is trying to do, right? See if I have any ammo, see if there's a blockage, whatever. Then I can now apply that to this new weapon platform, right? So I'm taking a task I know and I'm adapting it to a new situation under stress. Boom. That's the next level. And then finally, this is the level that Sean was talking about with the tractor is that I need them to teach themselves something new in a totally different situation under stress, right? And so that's the thing is that like, I don't even know what a tractor is, but I have to teach myself how to become a tractor and then then fix that tractor and and all that other sort of stuff. And so like, those are the three steps that we need and they have to be able to do all of them. uh, But to come to the the elite level, like that third tier is an absolute prerequisite. And, And it's not easy, especially as we increase tremendously the amount of stress and chaos and complexity of the task
2: and and i'm even more annoying because i feel like i have to keep jumping in (laughs) and uh and i would say that the third tier that you just described of that sort of autonomous uh, or that independent creative thought to solve the problem that is not understood at the time uh that out of the box thinking as i like to consider it i think that's a pretty common trait of tier one is being able to think outside of the box and uh, not only is it important in the moment, but it's important uh, strategically as well, of course. And so to, to, to my point, like podcasting and the collective, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely out of my box on this one. Uh, but I'd like to continue to pursue thinking outside of the box on this platform called podcasting so that in the near to mid future, I'm not surprised like it's an ambush that things are going the way I considered that they would go based on me thinking outside of the box and having the personal wherewithal or the the belief or the structured um, experience to know that if I see it, it will happen. And that's what I've tried to drive into my athletes throughout the years is I'll do the out of the box thinking for them at the start. But along the way, I'm trying to create out-of-the-box scenarios so that they can then begin to think out-of-the-box and solve their future problems when I bounce.
0: Interesting. <clears throat> any, any other thoughts before we move on? Everybody good? Okay, let's jump into the next question. And it, it does apply to what we were just talking about, so I think this will be uh, a good addition. Let's just put this up here. Here we go. Ah, where are we going? There we go so salty jinx one asks it's one thing to know if you're the right coach for a person slash team but how do you gauge when it's your time to step out of the way or pass them on to a higher level and so sean since you were just talking about this i'm going to put you up first what do you think
2: yeah um so i i stepped out of coaching the moment that uh, a bunch of friends asked me to start podcasting. Uh, because of the statistics on suicide and mental health and et cetera with veterans, uh, first responders and law enforcement. So that's why I stepped away from a coaching job. If not for that, I probably wouldn't have stepped away. And uh, I think I I would have stepped away if I was bored, which I wasn't, or if I was uninspired, which I wasn't, or if I'd lost my passion, which I wasn't. Passion for me is, is probably the most important aspect of the things I just named. If I'm still passionate about the thing that I'm doing, I'll do it until the day I die. But the moment that my passion starts flagging, then it's time for me to start looking around the corner that I don't know exists. And so that's an important thing as a coach is to maybe use the gauge of passion each day in your quote-unquote job, or I call it a calling more correctly— uh, but uh, there is the flip side to that coin, and that is, you might have passion to continue in that job as a coach, but if somehow you've found yourself surrounded by athletes who are not passionate, you know, that's your own doing, really. But if you're surrounded in that non-passionate environment, and it just feels like it's dragging you down, like an energy vampire, for lack of a better term, it's time to bounce. It's start, time to start thinking about what's around the corner.
0: Interesting. Taryn? What about yourself? Um,
2: yeah, I would say, and I'm going to actually speak as a, as the
4: athlete because I just went kind of went through this. <laughs> um, I think as the athlete, you're going to know whether or not you have anything left to learn from your coach or if you've learned everything that this individual can offer you because um, there's levels to everything, right? So for myself, um, I just switched coach coaches and it was uh, – nothing other than, you know, I just felt like, uh, I wasn't going to grow any further with my previous coach and I needed to get to the next level. So I needed to look for the next level. So I think, um, if you have the right athletes, I think they're going to tell you themselves is where I'm going with that.
0: Mm, that's a great thought, Dave. How about you?
1: Um, so like when we're talking about coaching for me again, it's like, it's not a specific actual like technique or, you know, I, I'm, we're talking on the mental game. And so, um i personally you know i have the different tiers here by six things buy ten by whatever but i always like to start with six because um you know even though i could sell more but then there's so much work that has to be done by the individual and you know it, me keep being in their ear like for me like i'm not an accountability coach like i don't want to be that guy and so like the kind of athletes and or people that i want to work with are the ones that can take six ten sessions and, you know, take it from there, right? And so, you know, we have a, I have a level of of development called building the warrior. And so the second one, um, which is the student is the, uh, the coachability is kind of the ethos of that or the essence of that skill. And so, you know, those are the ones where I tell you something because I have a limited time. So I tell you something like tomorrow, you should come back to me and have a gazillion questions because you went home, you Googled it, you looked it up, you thought about it. uh, And, you know, then you take ownership and that keeps me accountable as a coach, but, um, if that's not happening uh, within, you know, six sessions, if it's still not going on, then then it's not going to happen at all. And so, I tend for me, I like to keep it short by default. And then if I feel like there's still value to be added, then then cool. But um, if they're not doing the work on their own, like my job is to coach myself out of their laps. Mm. I like Thanks. that Sam,
0: any thoughts add?
3: Yeah, uh, mine kind of echoes. Probably more, uh, you know, what Sean's saying about passion, and, and I, I can, I can relate to this in the fact that I had a PT company for a few years, and I found the uh, my passion was all to do with mental health and mindset, and I just got, I had zero interest in aesthetics. I I was training people because I knew that the physical aspect was a great part of being mentally healthy, and um, so because uh, when but that's not why a lot of people come to a PT it's cuz they want want six abs on the stomach and all that and the aesthetics and i used to say from day one i have no interest in that if you're coming for me for aesthetics you've come to the wrong coach so i used to send them away from me very quickly if that was their kind of goal like looking good would always be a byproduct but for me i ended up that much into the mental health thing that i just went Do you know what actually i have lost my passion to to train people in the gym Uh, And I stepped away from that business and that's why I went into the kind of the mentoring and the mindset coaching and the welfare stuff because that's where my passion was in the mindset stuff. And, um, you know, I don't want to call myself a life coach, but I I am more interested in people and why they think the way they think. I'm not really coaching people now um, to be elite elite athletes. That's not my thing. Uh, And the same with BJJ, although, you know, I've got me two different black belts i'm sure i could open up my own gym but i enjoy bj i only coach one person in brazil jiu-jitsu and it's someone who i enjoy coaching so i can go and still enjoy my time there i don't want to turn that passion into a living as well um so i don't really coach brazil jiu-jitsu although i would say i'm qualified for it i've done it that martial arts since 1996 um but my passion is in mental health so i'm staying in my lane with the mental health side of things i like that any
0: uh any other thoughts
2: yeah that's an important point that sam just raised uh know your lane and i don't mean that in a negative sense in the sense of bro don't step out of your lane like you're way too out of your lane i'm talking about knowing your lane and being happy in your lane and and loving your lane and and knowing that it's the right lane for you i feel it like sam myself uh, to some degree nowadays i'm less interested in peak performance as a athletic specimen because like i just did it for so long it, it it's not that it bores me but it is less interesting to me than someone's mind i love the mindset i've always loved the mindset right from the time i could spell mindset i've loved it and uh, though those two things were very intertwined athleticism and mindset um, mindset has always been my fascination and so I, I feel quite comfortable letting the kind of physical execution of being an awesome human being kind of uh, take second or third place to the mind, the human spirit, the human condition, everything that it means to be a human outside of the physical performance aspect.
0: Outstanding. The, any any other thoughts? Everybody good on that? Okay, let's move on to the first of the video questions now we're gonna kind of shift gears a little bit on this one but uh i do want to get your thoughts on it because i think it's an interesting question so here we go good morning coaches of the collective cory mcgregor here question for you what makes you the best coach that you can be what makes you better than other coaches in your particular fields
2: of expertise and what do you do outside of your coaching that makes you a better coach it can be anything, but I'd love to hear it. What makes you the expert that you are?
0: Karen, i start with you. That's I don't like this one first thing. What's going on here? <laughs> um,
4: I, I think, uh, and I'll go to when I'm looking for a coach, because I'm, uh, you know, I'm still being coached by someone. I'm looking for somebody that's, that's like me, um, so I think on the other side of that, I, I would say for myself, um, it's important that you're, you are living and breathing what you're co- you're trying to coach. Because if you're not buying into what you're actually coaching and doing it yourself, nobody else is going to. Uh, so I think being an example of what you're trying to coach, so being coachable yourself, really being that person that you're trying to coach, um, I think it's important. I know that's something that for myself as a coach, um, I've kind of had to process and, and kind of understand is uh, more people are going to come to me to be a coach to, uh, for, to, for them for to get coached by me if I'm showing them that I'm doing the things that I'm actually going to go out and preach to them and ask them to do. So I think it kind of comes back to basic leadership, right? If you're out there willing to do the things that you're telling everybody else to do, they're going to follow you. And if you're not willing to do that, then they're probably gonna, not going to come to you
0: as a coach. I like it. Sam, what about yourself?
3: For, for me, I live what I preach. I have a hunger to grow constantly in what I'm doing. You know, I know I'm nonjudgmental and empathetic to others, so uh, because of those factors, uh, I can talk to people on their level. So I genuinely believe when I do my day job that I'm the right person in the room that day. Um, do I believe other people can do my job? Of course they can, but they'll do it in a different way to the way I do it. And through my life lessons, which nobody else has because of my life experiences, (laughs) that's why I'm the best at what I do. (laughs) Sean?
2: That's outstanding. I I feel the same way. I don't know what makes me any better or worse than other coaches or special or not. I don't know. But here's how I view myself as a coach. I think I do a pretty good job. And I think one of the advantages I have, to Sam's point, is I've I've lived a pretty full life. Uh, At uh, 60, I've bounced around a bunch of countries, I've done a bunch of things. More importantly, I've met a boatload of people who are smarter than me. The wisdom that I've absorbed, by the way, the wisdom that I've absorbed over here on The Collective over the last 252 podcasts (laughs) or whatever it's been, Mm -hmm. guest panels like this, every single day I'm getting smarter, getting wiser, more experienced, a better coach as it were. And so um, I think one of the advantages I have is my life. (laughs) my life experience and being able to connect to people on a much uh, deeper level based on having lived a deeper life, perhaps. Yeah, no doubt. Dave, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I think I have two things. The first is that I'm really, really dumb, right? So I'm not a smart individual. And so like I, in order for me to figure out complex anything, I have to really break it down into like kindergarten terms to understand it, right? For me to understand it. And so I think in able to, being able to do that, that also helps me to be able to explain it to other people in certain ways, right? And so um, because I just, I have to, in order for, I can't, I just can't look at something or read something or watch something and understand it. It, it takes me a very, very long time of very deep cognition and sweat and just banging my head against the wall and doing it wrong a gazillion times. right? And so um, I think what one of the things that I bring to the table is that like I can take a pretty complex thing and break it down into ways that most people can understand. And I can adapt that to whatever my audience is. Um, the, the second being is that because I'm dumb, I ask a lot of questions, right? A lot, a lot of questions because I, I really want to understand. And so in order to be like, I can't fake an ego because I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. And so it's, it's, I, there's no point in me doing it because the people will see through it right away. And so I just, own my ignorance and ask a lot, a lot of questions. And so asking those questions, I learn. And I think the third thing is I have a seven-year-old daughter um, that, and I know the greatest gift I can give her is her seeing me do the work, right? Is being the example. So she knows her whole life. She knows that I woke up at four in the morning. I'm in the gym by myself. Um, and, and I'm, I come in and I'm sweaty. I'm a gross. And, you know, she sees everything that I do. And my life goal now is to, coach myself out of her life. Right. And I know the best way I can do that, even if she doesn't understand yet, she'll, she's learning by watching me. And, and so that's kind of, uh, you know, that's how I, I make myself live the lifestyle, I guess, that I try to enforce yeah. Yeah. and coach. Absolutely.
0: It's uh it seems like, I mean, kind of talking about, you're all talking about kind of the same thing in that you got to know yourself and then you got to live that self and that makes you a better coach because you're doing that. Is that a fair assessment on that? Yeah, and
2: and you know what, uh, Dave? Maybe your life will play out a little bit similar to how mine did. So not too long. I've got uh, two boys, 18 and 19 years old. Um, it It's not a common thing. It doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen every month. But I'll hear it a handful of times each year for the last three or four years as my boys got older and started understanding the delineation between their dad and other dads. Yeah. And it's
1: not exactly. that I'm a.
2: It's not that I'm an amazing dad. I'm not making that claim at all. I'm with you. Yeah. all I'm gonna say is, uh, my life is different than other dads, uh, per <laughs> se. And so, uh, my boys started kind of saying this when something would happen, and and I do something that might be semi impressive. My boys would just say, "Yeah, but you're Sean Taylor. It's easy That's for right. you." <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard that before <laughs> from other guys or whatever? <laughs>
1: And I, I always, my daughter asked me questions like that. And I just say, honey, we ain't the same. Like that's me and that guy. We ain't the same. <laughs> that's right. That's it. We, we ain't the same.
2: <laughs> We're just different people. <laughs>
1: yep. We ain't, we ain't the same. He ain't yeah. like me. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, that's right. right.
1: Um,
0: any any other thoughts though? I got another question lined up here. If any, unless you guys want to. Uh,
4: yeah, I think uh, one other thing is just, um, this is a good, this is a good example this week itself. Um, any good coaches out there? Would be tuning in to listen to what all the other coaches this week have been talking about to better themselves. Agree. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest characteristics, maybe, that I've noticed and that we kind of all touched on, was um, not having an ego in the sense of projecting it on other people. Um, so willing to sit and listen to, you know, three other people or four other people talk about something that you might not necessarily see eye to eye on, but being able to have that conversation and grow, um, in whatever direction that goes, I just, this is a good example of a week where coaches should be growing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Just on that as well, uh, just literally last week I was working with some former tier one guys and former uh, pro athletes, um, for, for a multitude of, of people. And it was great to see at the end, the feedback that the tier one guys give and pro athletes was, um, we're all going to hear what you've learnt, but this is what we've just learnt from you. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This is our takeaways. I'm yeah, sat yeah. there going, "That's good. I like yeah, that. That's, that's how good. I like
2: it as well." You yeah. know,
3: and uh, what Dave said, Dave reminded me of a quote I had the other week as well. "Quick questions are free. Knowledge is key.
1: <laughs> Ask as many questions as you can." <laughs> I like that, I like
0: that a lot. Um, and for those wondering, uh, from Sean's earlier thing, it's day 252 today. Cool, so it
2: is. We have wow. had 252
0: that's podcasts this year on The Collective. Sean is sitting at 504 right yeah. now. Well,
2: so. I'm, I'm way over that now with all of the other independent <laughs> then, podcasts yeah, as well, yeah, of course. Of
0: course. Yeah. just, just yours, I meant in terms of, uh... But,
2: but, but writing. I mean, that's, that's an important subject. I mean, mm-hmm. consistency and frequency is something that every athlete understands if they want to become good at something. But consistency and frequency as a coach is important. You've got to be predictable. You've got to be reliable. You've got to be the thing that they understand every single day to be what you are. And so uh, chaotic coaches or or non-process-based coaches that are all over the ice with the the latest diet and the latest mm-hmm. book that just came on the New York bestsellers. Uh, you know, the all of the crazy things that are going on in the information world right now where everybody's got an opinion and some of it's based in non-reality. So uh, as a coach, you've got to be consistent and you've got to be frequent with your uh, reliability factor.
0: Absolutely, um, any, any other thoughts? before we move on. Okay, so I got another video here, and uh, it's an interesting one. I've I've never really thought about it, so I'm interested to hear you guys' take on it.
4: I have a question for the coaches about getting injured during competition. What is your take on finishing? So here's my example. I signed up for a half marathon. I did a fundraiser for it, and my wife and I completed it. But at about kilometer three, um, I took a catastrophic knee injury and had to limp for 20 kilometers to finish the race. I did and I don't know to what extent the damage is, but I'm just wondering what would you tell your athletes during this competition? To resign yourself that you couldn't make the achievement because of the injury and it's more important to heal or to fight through it um, so that you do complete your achievement? Uh, I kind of get torn uh, morally on this and maybe it's not even morals, maybe it's either stupidity or ignorance or arrogance, but I'm curious to hear from you heavy hitters
0: out there what you think about this. (laughs) cheers yeah this is an interesting question so i'm gonna put sean you're up
2: all right so um it really depends on the situation and as a general answer if it's just me i'm gonna push through as long as it's not creating uh permanent catastrophic damage like i've been damaged so many times it's ridiculous but i'm still standing i'm still (laughs) able to do things so I guess uh, you've kind of got to understand what you're capable of in an injured state or what have oh. you. And the fact remains that uh, if you're in a hard-charging lifestyle, you're getting injured. And it might be frequently, but you've got to figure your way through that process. And so that's the key, the process. you got to understand. You've got to be in there before and, and understand yourself. And then you've got to understand your why as you're moving through that. If it ain't important, you ain't going to do it. If it's really important, you're really going to do it. And then between those two things, you've got to figure out which one you are. Now, Jay, I know that you made it important enough that you limped your way through that. And what I would suggest is this, that assuming you don't have any catastrophic damage that is irreparable. uh, Well, I see it as a good thing because I know this to be true. The day after and years after you're going to be proud of that commitment. You're gonna, that's going to fuel you in the future to know that you didn't quit in that moment. It's a, these, these are things you can't buy. You can't spend a million dollars and buy the memory that you now have. And that's called conviction. And so um, I look at it as a good thing. But for each individual who's out there considering do you push through or not, first and foremost, you got to consider your safety of your body and, and, and is it destructive or not? And if it's not permanently destructive, I say, go for it.
0: Interesting. I mean, you can't buy that experience, but you can definitely pay someone to come and kick you in the knee during a race, just to see how it happens. Right. So (laughs) there's that, Uh, Dave, what do you think?
1: Um, so I'm of two minds of this, right? So I, I think the first thing is, um, to, to agree with Sean is that you need to know yourself, right? Um, and so it, the, and what is the event as well, right? So, um, but I am, as, as I get older in life, um, because I do know myself and I'm not smart enough to, again, this, this is the theme here, but I'm not intelligent enough to stop, to, to, to determine whether this is really serious or am I just being a wuss? Cause I'm always going to default on, I'm being a wuss. And so I'm going to push through it. Right. Um, and so then I can get hurt. And so my mantra uh, talking about exercise, like my daily workout is I have to work out tomorrow, right? I have to, I, this is my mantra. I got to work out tomorrow because, um, I'm still at a point physically where I could go to a college and, and probably do most of the workouts that they're doing that day, that one day, like I could do that workout that they have on the whiteboard and probably do pretty well at it, but there's a really, really good chance I'm going to get hurt. And then I'm going to be out for two weeks, uh, you know, and then, uh, then I have to start that old thing again. And so Um, I have to just, I have to have a system in place as I do with everything, a system that reminds me to remember what I'm, how I'm supposed to act in this situation. Right. And so, um, for like a little thing, uh, you know, in a daily, like if my shoulder starts hurting and it's, you know, I, I, am I, can I push through this This is going to be fine. Uh, but based on experience, I've pushed through a lot of things and they weren't fine. And so, um, but I think it just goes back to like knowing yourself and, um, but I will say this. Hey, Sean, do you remember any of you guys in the military? Do you remember that time when you guys were training and it was sunny and warm and you had all the food and everything you wanted? Clothes oh, yeah. fit, boots were comfortable. I, yeah, Patrick, I read like... about
2: it. Yeah, me <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah.
1: No nobody, rem- <laughs> no one remembers that, right? Because we only remember the, 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 the more the suck, the better the stories, right? That's what you remember, like what Sean says. That's so. fact.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Taryn thoughts? Yeah.
4: Um, I'm going to go. I'm I'm taking a microeconomics class right now. So um I'm going to go to opportunity costs um, and then looking at your marginal benefits to your marginal costs and whether those outweigh which one weighs heavier um, and kind of look at it from that perspective. What's the long term effect um, of what you're about to do? And if, you know, I think it also comes down to the the individuals. That doesn't matter whether it's a uh, charity event or if it's a World Cup or, you know, whatever world champs. Um, I think the individual, regardless of the the level, uh, is going to push through it regardless. So I think it also just comes down to the individual and kind of maybe the coach knowing when to just let their their athlete or client uh, just take the reins and, and learn something. Because I think at the end of the day, like Dave said, you're not learning. Uh, you, you're not going to remember those perfect sunny days with the perfect the perfect everything, but the the days where you you know, humped twenty k with a probably a blown out knee and you're going to remember that day whether whether for the right reasons or the wrong reasons you're going to learn something from it as well so the opportunity cost is where i would tell people to look
3: at absolutely sam want to round us off i want to be that person that says tell them to come out look after themselves look after the injury think about the longevity but i'd be a hypocrite because i'm sat here (laughs) <laughs> with injuries from head to toe Same. and there's not a military person <laughs> that can answer this question and say that they'd tell them to pull out or that they would pull themselves out because you're all sat because you didn't pull out of military training i guarantee you you had injuries through that Fair. so uh would all be hypocrites if we we said they were that empathetic person obviously if you were coaching a athlete and it was they're going to cause an injury that would then take them out of the sport in the future you would be as an idiot of a coach to let them continue on and ruin their career to, to win one race when they could have had 20, 30 more. Um, but, um, I know for a fact that, you know, it wasn't even that long ago, a couple of months ago, I'd not run for ages and decided last minute to go out mm-hmm. with Bob who you've had on the show for a marathon over three mountains As with no should. training. Perfect. He split his, he split his calf the day before you could physically see it. And okay. I didn't tell him, Nah, man, let's not do it. We cracked on and we got it done. So if I said anything else, I'd be a hypocrite. So, yeah, you would. Yeah. But push through. push through. Push through.
0: I love it. Um, so that we're, we're running a little short on time right now. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we Yes. I, I Yes, yeah, just
2: before. to wrap up that, not to wrap it up for everyone, just to wrap it up for myself. What I'm saying and I think what we're all saying is you got to know yourself. You got to know your why and somewhere in between those two, you got to figure out how, you, how much you're going to give her or not. Mm-hmm. No one here on this panel is suggesting that you ignore all the red warning signals that are flashing. No one's saying that. What we're saying is just use your common sense and understand why you're in that moment and how committed you are. If you really want something bad enough, if you really commit to something bad enough, you'll get her done but at what cost, just as Taryn said. So you've always got to do that risk-reward
3: uh, ratio for sure.
0: Yeah, huh. absolutely. Any uh, any further thoughts?
3: Just to jump on that, Annette, I yeah. don't like to be the negative <laughs> one, but also, the person that we know that's going to drop out of that run at the three mile point because of an injury, they're the same person that's going to drop out at six miles in something else. they're so the same person that's going to drop out. There's always going to be an excuse to drop out. You're there's no way you're doing anything long distance and not feeling anything. Anyway, it's not good <laughs> for your body. So, to this generally, I'm generalizing, which you shouldn't do. But no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right.
0: I'm, I'm wondering if it is a. Uh... If it's a physical capacity thing. Like if you can physically walk on it, say a knee during a run, something like that. Okay, keep going. But if you can't bear weight on the leg. well, you're done. Like you can't run at that point. You could hop, I guess you could crawl your way through it, but you'll figure it out. If you'll it's important it <laughs> enough,
2: you'll make it happen.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, um yeah, Taren, go for no,
2: it. I was, um,
4: I think, believe it's called the Canadian podcast on. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He had uh, put on Terry Fox, you know, last little while here. And, you know, I just going to the person who always succeeds. Everyone has a breaking point. Everyone has that point of kind of like this. This is it. This is my threshold. I just um, he's a prime example of, uh, you know, I don't think people fathom how insane what he did is with cancer with one leg. Um, and to see the actual footage and hearing him talk about it, I, I, just, uh, that kind of, that kind of example of, um, opportunity costs, I think that's a, a good, a good example of when you kind of want to push the envelope when, the mm-hmm. the opportunity costs outweigh the, uh, the, sh- I would say sh- the, the short term, uh, injuries or, or whatever you're going to pain, you're kind of going to go through, uh, the, the risk has to outweigh the, uh, or the benefits have that out- outweigh the risk, I guess. And, yeah, and he just kind of, it just brings me to that. That's just, uh, it was kind of crazy. I almost got into tears kind of watching, you know, some of his old footage and seeing how, how, how inspiring that was.
2: I mean, Well, that's an important thing that we don't have any time to add, but you know what you're talking about? <laughs> you're talking about a coach and an athlete having a relationship, but now we're talking about an athlete who has a relationship <laughs> with the world. Yeah. His story. So, how much should he have pushed? Well, if he was pushing for himself, an amount. But how much should you push to serve everyone around you globally? You should push some more. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, let's, uh, we're just a little bit over time here, but let's get some final thoughts. We'll go through the panel and uh, we'll shut her down for the afternoon. Sam, what are your final thoughts on everything we've gone over?
3: Just don't don't quit. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. Uh, no real final thoughts. I think we've had good discussions. Yeah. Don't Absolutely. quit. Push through. <laughs> I like it. Dave, final thoughts?
1: Uh, I, the only thing I thought of, and I thought of this beforehand, is that um, the word earned, when we're talking about personal development, should not should not have a past tense, right? Unless you're talking about just today, but you wake up tomorrow, the earned, you didn't earn anything tomorrow, right? So the word earn, when we're talking about personal development, it doesn't matter what you did the day before, the year before, the years before. Um, if you want to get great, you got to earn it every single day.
0: Outstanding.
1: Taren, Uh
4: Just one little quote that I read today, uh, which is teachers don't make you learn. Trainers don't make you fit. Coaches don't make you rich. At some point, you have to realize that other people can help you. But the, the, your growth is your, your own responsibility i think that that's what it boils down to absolutely
0: sean final
2: thoughts i'm gonna uh, play with what dave just said Uh, there's a saying that you'll hear a lot in uh, towards the tip of the spear and that is earn your seed every day every day
0: outstanding well i uh just again want to thank everybody on the panel a dave taryn sam everybody you guys are Fantastic conversation. Sean, as well. Don't, don't, not, just discounting <laughs> you, but you're here every day. Uh, um, I do really appreciate the conversations have been absolutely fantastic. And to your point, Taryn, earlier, I think just this week has been a massive level up. And I think that uh, if, you know, if you're a coach or you want to be a coach or just want to do better, this week has been especially important. Um, and I know. Sean, you used to say this all the time, like every day kind of felt like a level up. And then, you know, every week was a level up and we don't say it enough. But I think this this week has been insane. It's been quite the level up. So I really do appreciate you guys coming in for the conversation. I, I yeah, I have no words to describe how awesome this week has been as well as today. So thank you very much. And as we all learn more about coaching, as we all build upon our knowledge of each other, that allows us to grow into the people that we're meant to be. And do that with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow.
4: mo